And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's March the 7th, 66th day of the year. 299 days remain to the end of the year. Now, Interestingly enough, there's a whole bunch of, well, let's say, uh, let's call them holidays. It's National Flapjack Day, National Sock Monkey Day. My mother used to make those. Alexander Graham Bell Day. Call somebody. National Sportsmanship Day. National Be Heard Day. And a lot of folks in Congress I wish would celebrate National Shut Up Day. National Cereal Day. Plant Power Day. Unique Names Day. National Crown Roast of Pork Day. School Breakfast Week. Return Borrowed Books Week. Read a New Book Week. The Peanut Gallery is tuning up. National School Social Work Week, Dental Assistant Recognition Week, National Groundwater Awareness Week, National Consumer Protection Week, Endometriosis Awareness Week, National Professional Pet Sitters Week. Now that is a career you have to aspire to. Cheerleading Week, Will Eisner Week, Write a Letter Appreciation Week, Universal Human Beings Week, Butchers Week, Fair Trade Fortnight, no More Week, British Pie Week, Women in Construction Week, and National Procrastination Week. But you can put that off for a few days if you want to. National Nutrition Month, National Women's History Month, National Hemophilia Awareness Month, Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month, National School Work Month, National Small Press Month, National Kidney Month, National Peanut Month, in celebration of the peanut man himself. National Craft Month, International Ideas Month, National Caffeine Awareness Month, and so on and so forth. We have covered those many times. The, uh, let's see what else we got here. Well, there we go. Now, in 161, Marcus Aurelius and El Commodus, who changed his name to Lucius Verus, became joint emperors of Rome on the death of Antoninus Pius. 1138, Conrad III von Hohenstaufen, elected king of Germany at Koblenz in the presence of the uh, Papal Legate, Theodwin. 1799, Napoleon uh, captures Jaffa in Palestine, and his troops proceed to kill more than 2,000 Albanian captives. 1814, Emperor Napoleon I of France wins the Battle of Creon. 
1827, Brazilian Marines unsuccessfully attacked the temporary naval base of Carmen de Patagones, Argentina. 1827, Sri Lee abduction. Ellen is abducted by Edwin Gibbon Wakefield, a future politician in colonial New Zealand. The uh, 1850s, Senator Daniel Webster gives his 7th of March speech endorsing the Compromise of 1850 in order to prevent a possible civil war. Well, that didn't work. Um, 1862, Union forces engaged Confederate troops at the Pea Ridge in northwestern Arkansas. 1876, Alexander Graham Bell is granted a patent for an invention he calls the telephone. Nineteen hundred German liner SS Kaiser Wilhelm de Gross becomes the first ship to send wireless signals to shore. Nineteen oh two, the Second Boer War. Boers led by Couche de la Rey inflict the biggest defeat on the British since the beginning of the war at the Tribosh. Nineteen fourteen, Prince William of Wig arrives in Albany to begin his reign as king. 1931, the Parliament House of Finland is officially inaugurated in Helsinki, Finland. 1941, Gunther Prien and the crew of German submarine U-47, one of the most successful U-boats of World War II, vanish without a trace. Uh, never has uh, been determined what happened to it. Um, it was a Type 7B U-boat of Nazi Germany's Kriegsmarine. Uh, laid down in February 25th, 1937. Uh, during the career, she sank a total of 31 enemy vessels, including the British battleship HMS Royal Oak, and damaged nine more. Ranks as one of the most successful German U-boats of World War II. Uh, 2016, one of the faulty torpedoes shot at HMS Royal Oak was found and identified. Uh, Carried out 10 combat patrols and spent a total of 238 days at sea. Sank 31 enemy ships and damaged eight more. Prior to her disappearance, March 1941, lost one crewman, Heinrich Manteich, fell overboard uh, September 5th, 1940. Let's see. Uh, departed Laurent on her 10th and last patrol, February 20th, 1941. Was listed as missing March 7th, 1941. Believed at the time to have been sunk by the British destroyer HMS Wolverine west of Ireland when a submarine was attacked by Wolverine and the HMS uh, Verity. Post-war assessment showed the boat attack there was the UA, which was only damaged. HMS Wolverine had made an earlier attack on a submarine uh, five minutes after U-47's last known torpedo attack on the whale factory ship uh, Terje Viking. And after that, nothing was heard of the U-47. To date, there's no official record of what happened to it, although a variety of other possibilities exist, including mines, a mechanical failure, one of her own torpedoes exploded, or maybe a later attack that didn't confirm any claims by the Corvette team of HMS Camellia and HMS uh, Arbutus. Had a crew of 45 officers and men, uh, all of whom were presumed to have died. 
There's many mysteries of World War II that uh, have, will never be solved. 1945, American troops seized the Ludendorff Bridge over the Rhine River at Remagen. 1950, Soviet Union issued a statement denying that Klaus Fuchs served as a Soviet spy. 51, Operation Ripper, U.S. United Nations troops led by General Matthew Ridgway began an assault against Chinese forces in Korea. Also, on the same date, 1951, Iranian Prime Minister Ali Razmara is assassinated by Khalil Tamasibi, a member of the Islamic fundamentalists, uh, Fada Ayin uh, Islam, inside a mosque in Tehran. 1965, Bloody Sunday, a group of 600 civil rights marchers are brutally, brutally attacked by state and local police in Selma, Alabama. <clears throat> 1967, Indonesia's provisional parliament revoked uh, Sukarno's mandate as president of Indonesia on this date. 1968, U.S. and South Vietnamese military began Operation Trung Con Dinh to root out Viet Cong forces from the area around uh, Mai Tho. Nineteen eighty-six Challenger disaster. Divers from the USS Perseverance locate the crew cabin of the Challenger on the ocean floor. That was the um, space shuttle that self-destructed on the way back in. Nineteen eighty-seven Liu massacre. Taiwanese military menace of massacre of nineteen unarmed Vietnamese refugees at Dong Gang and Nanking Men. 89, Iran and the U.K. break diplomatic relations after a fight over Salman Rushdie in his controversial novel, The Satanic Verses. 1993, the tugboat Thomas Herbert, uh, or Hebert, depending on your pronunciation, sank off the coast of New Jersey. On this day in 2007, reform of the House of Lords, the British House of Commons votes to make the upper chamber the House of Lords 100% elected. No longer does a birthright give you a seat. Uh, 2007, Garuda, Indonesia Flight 200, crashes at uh, Adisupipo International Airport in a special region of uh, Yogyakarta, Indonesia, killed 21. 2009, the Real Irish Republican Army kills uh, two British soldiers and injures two other soldiers and two civilians at the uh, Masarine Barracks, the first British military deaths in Northern Ireland since the end of the Troubles. And in 2021, at least 105 die and 500 are injured at the 2021 Bata explosions in Bata, Equatorial Guinea. All right. Now, <clears throat> yesterday we talked about Operation High Jump, which was the U.S.'s uh, fleet that was sent to Antarctica. Now, the U.S. Navy published a report about Operation High Jump. said one of its primary goals was to uh, study the South Pole's regions at their magnetic propagation conditions. And to carry this out, each of the seaplanes was the, uh, equipped with a magnetometer, a device that, that registers anomalies in the Earth magnetism, which allows you to determine how the space is under the surface ice or the ground. Now, 
it came to light that uh, 1938 and 1939, the German Antarctic Expedition members accidentally found the base near the coast of New Swabia, built and occupied by beings from another world who possessed highly advanced flight technology. Now, Richter, the commander, came back with that disclosure to Hamburg and began putting together a, uh, an expedition to go back for another trip until it was canceled by the advent of war. Here, following its conclusion, the former Kriegsmarine captain arrived in D.C. to share the, uh, the discovery with uh, Admiral Byrd. Now, supposedly, photographic evidence documenting an extraterrestrial installation was taken out of the German-Polish society's more than 16,000 otherwise censored prints and miles of still-classified motion picture film. Many of these images have been captured by the seaplanes, Passat and Boreas, as they reconnoitered the uh, anomalous, anomalously ice-free region with its warm water, which is the likely location of such a base. Presented with this evidence, Byrd shared it at once with an old friend, Secretary of the Navy. Uh, that was James Forrestal. For Forrestal, the German visuals presented nothing less than a revelation as soon as a military photo analyst determined that they were incredibly authentic. And for the previous 11 months, he had been driven to distraction by the most serious breach in uh, American national security since Pearl Harbor. So you have to ask yourself, if in fact the German expedition found that a base existed, could that explain Operation High Jump? That was an invasion force that went to Antarctica and was supposed to stay for six months, and it stayed about six weeks. Uh, numerous casualties, loss of equipment, damage to ships. They got their head handed to them, frankly. Now, there was a nuclear concern as well. And it began a few days after January 20th, 1945, when the Washington State's uh, Hanford Engineering Works plant in Richland began processing plutonium for the manufacture of nuclear weapons. Now, the large production facility has been built near the Columbia River, which cooled the site's reactor piles. Was a, these were necessary for building the two atomic bombs that were eventually dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Though there is a story that the... Uh, What was used in those two bombs was actually captured from the German, uh, from a, two submarines that were en route to Tokyo to carry the makings of a nuclear bombs to, to uh, Japan from Germany. Now, it was the most top secret, best guarded location in North America. And the entire vicinity was off limits to all aircraft. <coughs> so, uh, Radar operators stationed uh, just across the river were alarmed when a blip appeared on their instrument screens that indicated the bogey's position directly over the factory. Now, the operators alerted 
Pasco Naval Air Station, about 60 miles away. Two night fighters were immediately scrambled to intercept the intruder. These were Grumman F6F Hellcats capable of climbing 3,500 feet per minute in a ser- to a service ceiling of 37,300 feet. And they had a maximum speed of 391 miles per hour. Now, as impressive as their performance may have been in 1945, it fell far short of closing within firing range of the, the target. Nevertheless, Lieutenant Commander Richard Brown was able to make it out visually as a blinding red ball of fire before it flew off at an unapproachably fast speed in the direction of Seattle and vanished off the radar, uh, airbase radar. Over the next four and a half months, Hanford was similarly reconnoitered by three addition, on three additional occasions. During a second intrusion, the object disappeared before the Hellcats could uh, get a, even get in the air. But during the third attempted intercept, Lieutenant Junior Grade Clarence Bud Clem, a Naval Reserve pilot, got a good look at the brilliant fireball, but it evaded him in a straight line ascent. Now, these encounters, reported by the Air Group uh, 50 officers, were confirmed 69 years later when uh, Robert Hastings, a retired laboratory ana- uh, analyst at the Phillips Semiconductors in Albuquerque, New Mexico received uh, pertinent to headquarters uh, 4th Air Force records from the UFO historian Jan Aldrich. According to what Hastings wrote, one of these, dated January 23, 1945, and directed to the commanding general of the Army Air Forces and assistant chief of air staff training, uh, told uh, how in the original document's own words, the 13th Naval District had made arrangements for Naval Air Station Pasco to employ both radar and fighter aircraft in attempting uh, to intercept these unidentified aircraft. So it's pretty clear that there was an actual intrusion. Five months later, in mid-July, <coughs> excuse me, there was a second nuclear facility had just been activated in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, when several unknown disc flew over it. They appeared to have a high aluminum finish, according to witnesses. He was a superintendent of the Times News in nearby Kingsport, Tennessee. It was traveling at tremendous speed. A few days later, there was another radar contact made directly above Hanford's restricted area about noon. Six Navy pilots pushed their Hellcats through the Warplane certified performance limitations to approach, but they could intercept those discs. It was described by Ensign Roland Powell as about four and a third miles away as the size of three aircraft carriers side by side. Oval shape, very streamlined, like a stretched out egg and pinkish in color. Some kind of vapor was being emitted from the outside edges from portholes and vents. Object was observed at noon in the clear sky at an estimated altitude of 65,000 feet. The uh, and because the warplanes couldn't interdict the immense intruder at such a high altitude, it circled at leisure over the plutonium processing plant. Twenty minutes later, it disappeared from tracking radar by shooting straight up at an incomprehensible high rate of speed. 
First, I'll naturally assume the fireballs and the colossal over were Japanese secret weapons, probably sent out, uh, sent to them on U-boats in Germany, where similar Foo Fighters were observed by Allied airmen. And he believed the, the appearance of these objects over Hanford and Oak Ridge indicated the enemy was aware of America's nuclear facility. Secretary of Navy found, uh, feared that such an invulnerable reconnaissance was a prelude to a no-rest unstoppable attack. You know, Forrestal turned out to be uh, a victim of the paranoia that was running rampant. He uh, eventually was put into Bethesda Naval Hospital. He was allegedly caught running down the halls of the the Pentagon screaming that uh, they were the aliens were coming, and while he was under treatment, he supposedly tied a bed sheet around his neck, tied it to his bed, and jumped out a window. I do have my questions about that. A month following Ensign Powell's encounter, World War II ended. Government research teams meticulously sifted through the ruins of Imperial Japan, searching for clues to the strange aircraft that had. Uh, defied the Hellcat interceptors and found nothing even remotely suggesting Japan had something of such advanced design. Aircraft were chalked up to as unsolved mysteries of some kind and generally forgotten in the fleeting period of post-war peace that preceded the Cold War. It was, uh, as a result, with no little shock and dismay, even less than a year after the destruction of the Axis powers, Forrestal learned that the Wonder weapons he assumed were Japanese or German appeared in America's skies. We were the most powerful country in the world and couldn't take uh, protect our own airspace. July 24, 1946, Lieutenants Jack Puckett and Henry Glass, pilot and co-pilot of a C-47 Skytrain cargo plane flying from Langley Field, Virginia, saw a cylindrical-shaped craft to their southeast, 26,000 feet over the Atlantic Ocean. About 9 p.m., as Puckett and Glass were about to descend toward Florida's MacDill Field in Tampa, the object of approximately twice the size of a B-29 suddenly flew in a collision course with them, came within 1,000 feet of their flight path at an estimated 2,000 miles an hour, and it emitted a stream of fire that trailed about half the length of the craft behind it until it disappeared over the horizon. Next day, half a world away on the Marshall Islands at uh, Bikini Atoll, the U.S. conducted the last of two atomic bomb uh, tests collectively known as Operation Crossroads. It was detonated 90 feet underwater. Baker, which was the first one detonated, produced a characteristic mushroom cloud rising several thousand feet above the western Pacific. Uncharacteristic, though, were the three dish-shaped objects filmed uh, skirting the uh, neutron flash where no known aircraft could have survived, while the fourth was seen moving away from the explosion at a lower altitude. Ten days later, another trio of silver disc was there flying in a triangular formation over Lake Michigan at the Great Lakes Naval Training Center near North Chicago, Illinois. Now, Forrestal was beside himself with uncertainty and dread as national security seemed at the mercy of these anonymous violators of American airspace. And it was then in the midst of his consternation that Richard Byrd providentially approached the Secretary of the Navy with Reicher's still photography and motion picture proof of Antarctica's UFO base. Forrestal resolved at once to 
crush it with an armada strike force with Admiral Byrd in command. And although the operation's chief aim was neutralizing the South Polar Nest, hardly less important would be capturing specimens for analysis and reproduction of the high technology that gave the disks their speed. Forrestal was so alarmed he prioritized the invasion of Antarctica in order to extirpate its extraterrestrial occupiers. Task Force 68 was thrown together with a frantic haste, as though we were on the brink of a new world war. Bird later stressed in his uh, material interview that uh, everything was done at top speed. The new icebreaker, the Burton Island, for example, had only recently been commissioned and is still undergoing sea trials off the California coast when it was drafted to be part of Operation High Jump. And pulling a freshly commissioned ship off a sea trial certainly points to the mission's sense of urgency, which was still echoed months later, even after conclusion of the expedition. At that point, Byrd would only talk about potential attacks coming over the polar regions. The very name of the operation, Operation High Jump, hinted it was conceived from the beginning as an attack on enemies operating at extreme altitude. And as massive and foredoomed as it was well documented, 1947's engagement became the first pitched battle in our planet's War of the Worlds. Of course, it was all kept classified. The mere fact that we are the taxpayers who paid for all this doesn't give us any rights to know what the hell was done with our money. Our elite, our betters, as it has been said to me numerous times, uh, determine what happens. And as a disquieting footnote, to this confrontation long after Task Force 68 South Polar Conflict. Its largest warship was again on active duty. By January 1952, USS Philippine Sea began patrolling the east coast of the Korean Peninsula for her second deployment in the police action there. During the early afternoon of February 2nd, her radar operators picked up an anomalous contact approaching that uh, 52,000 feet, which was virtually confirmed moments later by three lookouts on deck through long-range field glasses. And when the unidentified vehicle came within 20 miles of the aircraft carrier, General Quarters was sounded. But as her crew rushed to battle stations, the object was seen to instantly and possibly reverse course in the opposite direction, flying away at a speed the radar operators estimated to be 1,800 miles per hour, far beyond the capabilities of the Korean War aircraft. This entire encounter was documented in a report filed by the Commander of Naval Operations Far East with the U.S. Chief of Naval Operations. Had the Philippine Sea been monitored for the previous five years by our extraterrestrial opponents from Operation High Jump? In fact, the connection had already been made. Now, Rear Admiral... Delmar Farney made a comment that I found interesting. He said, unidentified flying objects are entering our atmosphere at very high speeds and obviously under intelligent control. We have to solve this riddle without delay. So how do we solve it? We classify it so nobody knows what the hell's going on. Now, our earliest military... clash, if you will, with off-world forces took place in Antarctica during January 1947. And although it's the stuff of what science fiction movies are made, the encounter was simply, well, it was amply, if not 
completely documented. It's undeniably part of the mid-20th century historical record. Human and extraterrestrial warriors, as we have discussed, did indeed engage in a firefight near the South Pole shortly after World War II. No less a, a power than Germany itself documented the existence of the base. Only after all its officers died off of primarily old age did uh, additional information pertinent to Hajjup become available in the form of several old photographs released publicly for the first time by a French publication in 2015. At the same time, several other old photographs were also made publicly available, supposedly taken through the periscope of a U.S. Navy submarine cruising near the Arctic Circle between Iceland and Norway's uh, John Mayen Island uh, during early 1971. They show large, unconventional craft in flight not far from the camera and no more than 100 feet or so above the surface of the sea. Now... Of course, in these days of Photoshop, evidence of this kind no longer means what it used to mean. Acceptance of what these images suggest is not a matter of seeing what one wants to see. It's a matter of refusing to uh, dismiss the obvious just because such things are not supposed to exist within the parameters of conventional wisdom. If the universe is infinite, so are the possibilities of other life. Now, one of the more startling photos shows sunlight glinting on the surface of a choppy sea reflecting identically off the upper surface of the featured UFO. Now, in this particular photo that I'm discussing, as in all the others, all details of the objects in their natural environment are harmonious with, uh, within each other's, uh, within each shot's uh, depth of field. In other words, there's nothing to suggest the images of the, these unusual craft were separately grafted onto the otherwise normal photograph of the ocean. In another photo, there appears a dark, a delta-shaped vehicle, remarkably because triangular UFOs were reported only infrequently uh, before the late 20th century. And now they're among the most commonly observed unidentified flying objects around the world. Now, photographs of cigar-shaped objects may be the most revealing of, the, of all of them because arranging them in order reveals an apparent sequence of events. They show an elongated cylindrical craft of large size. The next shot shows the same vehicle in serious distress as if violently emits great clouds from at least two breaches in its hull and another from one end as the object appears to lurch out of control. In the next photograph, a bright orange dot appears left of the center amidships, suggesting an artillery shell at the moment of impact detonation. And the final photograph shows the same craft falling in first into the ocean, from which walls of rising water spurt dramatically upward along the flanks of the object. One final shot, it remains afloat, one end up, suddenly more peacefully into the ocean. Now... If you arrange them properly, these images appear to represent a large flying vehicle fired on and down by conventional artillery operated by a surface submarine. And at least two of these photographs carried original captions. One read, official photograph not to be released. The other read, unauthorized disclosure, subject, security certificate, SSN 674. 
Now, SSN-674 was the Navy's designation for uh, the USS Trepang, an American submarine that did, in fact, undertake experimental operations in the Arctic Ocean during March of 1971. Contacted by telephone in July 2015, Admiral uh, Sackett, who's retired, made the comment, I only saw ice, and he denied having seen anything unusual on board a Trepang. He was his chief officer for this particular cruise. Now, earlier undersea operations in that area included the USS Skate during July 1958. The next month, USS Nautilus, the world's uh, premier under a nuclear-powered submarine and the first vessel to complete a submerged transit at the North Pole. None of these ships was equipped with surface artillery, which had been phased out years before they uh, were commissioned. But the impact blast on the side of this cigar-shaped UFO clearly shown in one of the photos that was released is consistent with the explosion of a 5-inch shell fired from a 127-millimeter deck gun belonging to the USS Senate. The diesel-electric submarine, also armed with single ball for its 40-millimeter or Lecon 20-millimeter cannons, participated in Operation High Jump. Now, all the, uh, the photographs that I've been discussing were made from uh, above sea level, indicating they were shot through the periscope at a time when the Senate was operating on the surface of the South Polar Sea, consistent with the deployment of her deck-mounted guns. The prints themselves are, are a uh, washed-out color, almost black-and-white characteristic of the late Second World War era, unlike the boiler uh, the bolder, sharper hues, more typical of photography during the mid-50s and certainly inferior to the kind available in the early 70s. In short, the photographs of an elongated craft in the present process of being shot down by deck weapons of a surface submarine could not have been made through the periscope of the USS Trepang in the Arctic. They were taken instead by, uh, or on the orders of, Commander Joseph uh, Eisenhower, chief officer aboard the USS Senate, part of Operation uh, High Jump's um, central group between January 17, 1947, and when the Navy warships first engaged in combat with UFOs on February 26, 1947, as the, the fleeing Navy ships suffered their final losses in Antarctica, which consisted of an aircraft uh, and one destroyer. Associating these photographs with the 1971 submarines almost certainly resulted in deliberate disinformation. Navy historians have been notorious for manipulating ship identities uh, since uh, World War II, when such falsification was used in the interest of military security. Now it's in the interest of suppressing information they don't want to get out. Researcher uh, Alex Mistretta cites John Greenwald, who postulates that the UFOs in the old photos may not be extraterrestrial in origin, but were actually balloons used for target practice in the past. The old weather balloon ploy. And if that's the case, the photographs of such unnamed, unmanned craft could only have been taken between uh, 1849 and 1915 when balloon carriers were indeed operated by the navies of Great Britain, France, Germany, Italy, Russia, and Sweden. But color photography was, as used in the UFO shots, wasn't available in any of them. 
And these balloons provided aerial reconnaissance before the advent of seaplanes were never used for target practice. They were invariably tethered, contrary to the photograph craft, which shows no indication of being tethered. In any case, the delta-shaped object is certainly unlike any balloon ever known. Surviving designs of 19th and early 20th century balloon carriers uh, match none of those appearing in the controversial photographs. All periscope images of the unusual craft suggest the objects were metallic, but no historical balloon carriers were covered in aluminum. More decisively, the cigar-shaped object uh, can't have been a flimsy hollow bag of a lam- uh, laminated canvas stretched over thin framework or light wood or whole, uh, old aluminum because, as is shown in the photographs, Great masses of water burst into the air on either side of and high above the craft as it uh, sank into the ocean. It had to have been a weightier affair to generate such dynamic results. Now, all these photos were released in early 2015 by the French magazine Top Secret, whose editors got them from an anonymous source. Maybe it was an aging veteran of Operation High Jumpster, loyal to his security oath for more than 70 years, Uh, before, but nevertheless determined to unburden his conscience before he died of old age by releasing at least part of the truth. In any event, the photographs show the extraterrestrial craft may have been superior to human weapons technology in the mid-20th century, but they were not impenetrable to accurate Navy gunfire. And although destroying an intergalactic contrivance from outer space with a Second World War-era submarine designed for inner space may seem a bit absurd, but... It's less so than a similar kill made during World War I by a mere 7.92-millimeter machine gun fired from Baron von Richthofen's 93-mile-per-hour biplane. You know, Eisenhower didn't deliberately pursue the cigar-shaped contact, but he'd been inadvertently holding a position relative to it when the target randomly came within range of his deck gun, enabling him... uh, to fire with some accuracy. The Senate had apparently gone unrecognized by the alien pilot who took no evasive maneuvers and neglected to shield his vehicle, which was downed by a chance encounter with the surface Navy submarine. When he saw the, that the uh, downed cigar-shaped monstrosity was still afloat, although half down by the bow, Commander Eisenhower ordered a boarding, power, uh, boarding party Arriving at the disabled craft, the Senate's crew members broke into it and removed whatever they could lay their hands on. And how they reacted to the vehicle's occupants, uh, if any survived the crash, isn't uh, reported in any uh, record we've been able to find. Like all boarders, they were doubtlessly heavy, heavily armed and probably disinclined to take enemy prisoners alive while uh, ransacking their sinking vessel. In any case, the Navy men salvaged whatever they were able to tear out of the craft's interior as quickly as possible and carried it off uh, on away boats to the waiting Senate, which rejoined the, uh, the units of Task Force 68 in their retreat from Antarctica. It be interesting to see uh, the equipment that was uh, taken off that sinking UFO. And certainly... Um, The security classification that was immediately clamped on everything to do with Task Force 68 makes it clear something out of the ordinary took place.
Tuesday, July 8th, 1947, the Roswell Daily Record um, had an interesting headline. The intelligence office of the 509th Bombardment Group at Roswell Army Airfield announced at noon today that the field had come into possession of a flying saucer. That was an official press release from the Roswell Army Airfield. That was before the powers that be got involved and classified everything to include what type of toilet paper was used in the latrines at uh, Roswell Army Airfield. You know, back in the States, the materials retrieved by the Senate were closely examined by government scientists. And all they could deduce from such unfathomably bizarre technology was it hadn't been produced by any power on Earth. Nazi, Soviet, Japanese, us. And they left the Secretary of the Navy to draw his own conclusions. Incredibly high speeds, dazzling maneuverability, and invisible shielding uh, that uh, covered the lights displayed in the Antarctic made them invincible against Operation High Jump's conventional weapons, save for the Senate's lucky shot. Forstall couldn't count on a repeat of such good fortune, so he decided on an alternative strategy. strategy. He wasted no time in setting up a trap for the extraterrestrial bogies by installing additional radar into Mexico at the approaches to the U.S. Army Air Force Alamogordo bombing and gunnery range, which later became part of the White Sands Missile Range. It was here that the, we conducted a Trinity operation, its first detonation of an atomic bomb, July 16, 1945. More immediate draw for the nosy aliens was the 509th Operations Group, the only squadron authorized to carry nuclear bombs, which was stationed at Roswell. An investigator named Scott Ramner, Ramsey wrote that the Roswell Army Airfield was the repository of our arsenal of nuclear weapons and bombers that could be delivered anywhere in the world. Early, powerful radar was being uh, installed in the state to protect military and research installations. In the 1990s, he was able to determine at least one of these early radar stations was operating by the summer of 1947 at El Vado Lake. 300 miles northwest of Roswell. The locals reported the installation was a complex radar site. Forrestal's plan was to lure the off-world invaders into the short range of powerful radar arrays he and the Atomic Energy Commission had posted around Los Alamos, together with the related research and Air Force sites throughout New Mexico as early as 1946. When the anticipated alien craft descended low and slowly enough for radar operators to track their positions, high-intensity radar energy be focused on the off-world disk, baking their interiors at 400 degrees plus uh, temperatures and turning them into flying microwave ovens. The scheme was not as fantastic as it might have seemed to mainstream general since the application of radar as a weapon of sorts had already been known by them. Lee Crane, who uh, resided a few miles from the Elvado radar installations, just three years after Forrestal's trap was set, said that the Air Force personnel often came to eat at a local diner and sometimes even brought freshly killed ducks that had been knocked out of the air by the powerful microwave radar that was used at their facility. Lee uh, Crane remembered the airman had actually asked the owner to finish cooking the birds after the ducks flew into the 
powerful radar waves of the facility and dropped half cooked to the ground. Forstall, who was uh, had been named Secretary of Defense in the meantime, hoped to uh, similarly drop at least one half cooked alien somewhere in the land of enchantment. Ramsey went on to quote an anonymous physicist he believes was probably University of Minnesota's John Torrance, who was uh, in charge of operations uh, research at the government's Office of Scientific Research and Development during the late 40s. He said, in the laboratories and also at Alamogordo and Los Alamos and at different parts of the country, we have telescope observers. Now, a telescope is a, a uh, range-finding optical instrument who spend 24 hours a day watching for evidence of objects or ships flying in the sky. Everything that comes within the range of these telescopes is noted. If it's an unfamiliar and, uh, and lands, the Air Force is aware of it almost immediately. And since the extraterrestrial intruders uh, seemed uh, chiefly interested in America's nuclear facilities, Forrestal hoped they'd sent the combined radioactive uh, bait of Trinity's lingering residue and the Air Force's latest atomic bomb at uh, atomic bombers at uh, Roswell long enough for his observers to get a fix on them. And sure enough, less than two weeks short of the Trinity Blast's second anniversary and four months after Operation High Jump had been aborted, a pair of silver disks appeared over the prepared bombing range. And their position was forwarded to radar operators who focused intense microwave transmissions from their multiple instruments uh, on the target which immediately careened out of control. One ricocheted off a 6,000-foot ridge uh, north of Capitan Peak in the Capitan Mountains east of White Sands and crashed southeast of uh, Corona, 30 miles north of Roswell. Its companion hit the, des- hit the desert, no less catastrophically, west of Socorro in an area known as the Plains of San Augustine. Narrowing of concentrated radar beams on the vehicles that indeed turned them into flying microwave ovens in which the occupants were instantly cooked. Roswell Mortician, who examined the alien corpses, observed that the skin was black, maybe due to exposure to the sun or perhaps radar burns. Uh, that was what uh, was repeated by Patricia Nutsley, author of Alien Encounters. Uh, she talked about the poor condition of the bodies due to physical impact and possible burning. According to researcher Anthony Brigalia, skeptic and Amateur uh, astronomer Timothy, Timothy Prenti reports that on uh, June 26, 1956, a plane filled with fuel crashed a few miles south of the base and its crew burned to death. He said autop- autopsies had to be performed on the deceased to determine each one's identity and the description of the bodies in the autopsy reports closely matched descriptions of the condition of the alien bodies. Only eight months after that incident, another UFO wreck took place in New Mexico. 375 miles northwest of Roswell, near the small town of Aztec. Um, Author Scott uh, Ramsey, Suzanne Ramsey, and Frank Thayer not only established the certainty of its occurrence, but also provided a revealing connection to the earlier crash. In their book, eyewitness Doug Nolan explains that the skin of the lifeless terrestrial bodies appeared to be charred, maybe from exposure to heat, even though the interior of the craft hadn't been burned. Preacher Solon Brown, who had been called to the scene, also noted the burned appearance of the alien corpses. Similar skin burns had not been found at the earlier Cape Girardeau wreck, where the corpses were, according to investigator Paul Blake Smith, not even burned. 
An eyewitness at the scene claimed he didn't recall seeing a single scorch mark or fire damage on the uh, little E.T. bodies themselves. And this was because this crash was a mishap brought about by southeastern Missouri's gusty wind conditions, April 12, 1941, unlike the New Mexico UFOs that were deliberately brought down by ground weapons. Charred bodies at Roswell and Aztec suggested both events resulted from the concentration of high-density microwave energy deliberately beamed at specific targets by Air Force radar operators lying in wait for the low-flying off-world vehicles. In a personal email, prominent ufologist Stanton Friedman, who I knew well, writes, uh, I've said that there might be a similar, there might have been a mid-air coalition between the UFO pilot and his wingman because they're, they're flying through a radar tracking uh, beam, produced a temporary glitch in guidance or propulsion systems, and we know a tracking beam was owned because a rocket launch was due from White Sands. Less likely that the... Uh, the two craft uh, blundered into a tracking beam that they were, then they were victims of a planned attack, like the unfortunates at Aztec who were to follow them uh, eight months later. The crashes of three UFOs in the same state, less than a year apart, was not an accident, and the aliens took that same position. Wreckage from the Roswell crashes were recovered by personnel from the decoyed uh, 509th Operations Group and has flown to the Carswell Army Air Force Base in Fort Worth, Texas, before removal under armed guard to Dayton, Ohio's right field for examination. Well, three years later, Federal Bureau of, Inf- of Information file addressed to uh, Director J. Edgar Hoover, dated March 22, 1950, read that both downed craft were described as circular approximately 50 feet in diameter. Each one's occupied by three bodies of human shape, but only three feet tall, dressed in metallic cloth of a very fine texture. Each body was bandaged in a manner similar to the blackout suits used by speed flyers and test pilots. No further evaluation was attempted. Hoover wrote back, We must insist on full access to disc recovered. For instance, in the only crash, the Army grabbed it and wouldn't let us have it for cursory examination. Now, he was referring, everyone believes, to a UFO shot down during the 1942 Battle of Los Angeles and was retrieved by us uh, as described by General George C. Marshall. You know, our government has a lot of information they've never revealed to anyone because everything has to be secret because, don't you know, knowledge is power. Now, though millions of people around the world are familiar with the so-called Roswell Incident, on July 3rd, 1947, few, few realize it was the eventual outcome of a Third Reich South Polar Expedition and Operation High Jumps defeat in Antarctic uh, waters. And few will realize what became of James Vincent Forrestal as a result. Two months and two weeks after Roswell, he was elevated from his position as Secretary of Navy to Secretary of Defense and later given the Medal of Honor by President Truman himself. All in unspoken gratitude for his alien takedown at Roswell. Well, at this point in time, we've come to the end of today's show. I don't have enough time to start a new segment, and there's a lot of information to be given out. So until tomorrow at this time, this is Ken Hudnell for the Ken Hudnell Show, saying have a truly great evening. <laughs>